And hello, all you Lasso fans out there, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, the Ted Lasso fan cast for NPR Illinois on the Front Row Network. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and as always, my fellow Lasso-holic is here with me, Mr. Craig McFarland. What's up, Craig? Not much. It's always the best time of my week when we record these because we just watched Ted Lasso and we get to dive deep into it. Indeed, we just watched Ted Lasso, and uh, we are here to review episode three, Do the Rightest Thing, um, which I love. It's a great little reference to the uh, Spike Lee classic of the 1990s, um, and a lot of uh, a lot of nice moral lessons in this episode about doing the right things, um, and of course, that uh, quote comes from uh, the debut of Nora, goddaughter Nora, that comes in on this episode, but we're going to talk a ton about her, um, but before before we get into episode three, um, of course, we um, are doing all of the episodes here. So we've already done the first two um, of season two. So go back and listen to those. And of course, we'll be keep going. And you can also get in touch with us. Craig, what is our email address if they want to get in touch with us and tell us about their lasso thoughts? It is front row lasso at gmail.com. So check us out there and just saying thank you to everybody that's followed us over to uh, our own feed, peanut butter and biscuits. So you found us. Congratulations. <laughs> I will say that, you know, when you are starting a new show, it is sometimes a bear to get yourself up on Apple podcasts. So we yeah. are working on it. We will get us ourselves us. up there, but we are available everywhere else. So thank you for finding us. And if you're listening to this in the future, disregard all of that because you can hear us on apple now <laughs> exactly right we're already there um yeah if you're listening to like episode five that's fine um so we are going to talk about this episode um we're going to jump around a little bit like we normally do and just kind of discuss uh main themes and main uh arcs throughout the episode um so in this episode uh there's two really big arcs that are happening here one is the uh storyline that follows sam um in his uh journey to being the new spokesperson for for Dubai Air and then giving that up. Um, and we've got sort of the um, social justice activism um, that happens uh, in this episode. Um, and then you've also, of course, as I said, got the um, uh, the debut of Nora, the, the uh, goddaughter for Rebecca. Um, and she is fantastic in this episode. We're going to talk a lot about her, I have a feeling. But um, let's just jump in right off the start here because um, Sam, we find out, is the new face of Dubai Air, the sponsor of Richmond AFC. Um, and um, also in the clubhouse, Jamie has now returned. He is back in the clubhouse and everybody's wondering how this dynamic is going to work. Um, a lot of things are working here in these opening scenes. So Craig, what stuck out to you here about this opening scene, scene as Sam finds uh, his pictures and Jamie returns to the locker room? Absolutely. So you see a lot of things going on right at the start of this episode, because I will say that if there was one gripe that I have up front on this episode is things move very quickly in this Dubai air story. So yeah. we actually, uh, at the very tail end of episode two, it was kind of um, thrown out there as just a very brief moment where Keeley said, Hey, Sam, we have this opportunity to get you to do this Dubai air shoot. And so uh, now he's had that shoot done and we start to see what's going to unfold from that. But then also, like you said, I think that another major storyline, certainly throughout the beginning of the season, is going to be the continuation of the redemption or perhaps the uh, exile of Jamie Tart. It could go mm -hmm. kind of one or two ways because the team, and you see this even when you start to see the apology that Jamie gives to the team, <laughs> that 
they are like, you know, you did some terrible things to all of us. And so we don't want you back on this team. And he's trying desperately. We see, we mentioned this in episode two, but you're truly seeing a different side of Jamie Tart in this season than you did in season one. In season one, he was the very um, really shallow character. He was the foil. He was the antagonist. And I would say out of all of the supporting characters in season one, he was the one that lacked the most depth mm. in as far as his character is concerned. And now it's like the writers of this show want to do right by Jamie Tard. They want to bring him back into being this excellent character that we can follow and really dive into because that's exactly what's going on is he, he's at his lowest point. He was this uh, person that just had it all with man city decided to showboat got kicked out because of his ego and now he's lost and he's kind of understanding that and coming back to his own team. So I absolutely love this redemption arc that we're starting to get with Jamie. Yeah. It's a fun, uh, it's a fun scene too, because I mean, you just know that like from the second he walks out on the pitch at the end of the second episode, that all of these players are just licking their chops to try and just smack him down as much as possible. And when he, and look, and and you're right, like this is a, a fun thing about Jamie is that, you know, he's putting himself out there. This is something that he didn't do at all in the first season. Um, he really is just saying, you know, like, I am sorry. I know I did all this stuff. Like, and then when he opens the floodgates, everybody just goes in. I think the, uh, the new Dutch player says like, I don't know you, but I dislike you or something. Like that. <laughs> I love the Dutch player. He's yeah. so great. <laughs> He's great there, but poor Colin too, man. He said that he was a worm, <laughs> like a profile from his hometown paper. Poor Colin. <laughs> I also like the the one where he hit on the player's mom with <laughs> his, dad his dad nearby. <laughs> and then he goes like, tell your dad, I'm sorry. Also my best to Janet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so great. Like just little itty bits and pieces like that. I mean, that's the kind of witty and humorous writing that it just takes this writer's room again, just has to be so fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, uh, another thing that, so keeping on the Jamie storyline in this, let's follow that one through to its conclusion. So, you know, the next time we see him, he's on the pitch um, and they're starting him out on the practice squad. And, uh, you know, I, I do absolutely love that Nate is just like, they're going to kill him and everything. And he's just nobody, everybody has to be expecting this and wanting it. And I absolutely love that Sam just gets right in his face and he's just like, hey, some stuff has changed. Don't bring that weak stuff over here. And I just absolutely love that. And now Jamie is knocked down a peg from even what he had confidence in, which was his football ability. Um, and this leads uh, him to Keeley, who then takes him to Dr. Dr. Fieldstone. So what did you think of him back on the field and Sam just going and smacking the crap out of him? I just love that again. Like, I think you have to show him at his lowest and we, uh, you, you can make the assumption that uh, maybe the team will coalesce or come together. You hope that it does in a Ted Lasso locker room. Right. right. But at the same time, it is uh, great to see Jamie knocked down a peg because he absolutely deserved it. I mean, he is the person that scores the winning goal against Richmond in Mm -hmm. our final uh, of season one. He also is just horrendous in that locker room. We get to Mm -hmm. see multiple examples of that. So everybody was pretty glad that he was gone and they really coalesced as a team without him. So now it's like, can they coalesce 
as a team with him and what kind of role is he going to play in the team? I think it's actually, if you look back at season one to season two, you already see growth in that Ted says, Hey, Jamie, we're going to start you off on the reserve team. We want to see, we want to show people that you're going to earn your spot back. Immediately. There's no fight in Jamie. No. Yeah. He's a smart idea. Mm -hmm. In season one, that would have been just like, uh, it would have been an argument. It would have been uh, stomping off. And so you already see this growth in the character just from one season to the next, uh, whether that be football seasons or also uh, seasons of the show. Well, I'm telling you, I think that there's going to be, you're right. I think that they're going to do right by Jamie um, this season and really give him a lot of depth. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing there because again, you know, Phil Dunster, the actor, he showed us a lot in those last two episodes of season one in just very limited amounts of time. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the season. But um, of course, another big vein of this episode is Rebecca and Nora. Um, I got to say here, uh, they, they definitely wrote Nora perfectly because, you know, I, I remember like thinking when she's like saying all these quick, quick one-liners and things, I was like, man, she's witty for like a 13 or 14 year old. And I'm like, oh, wait, I know her mother. And she's the same way and stuff. So, um, yeah, so Sassy is going out on a speaking tour. Um, and so Rebecca is going to be watching Nora. Um, and so a big thread of this episode, of course, is Rebecca's wanting to make good on, you know, all the stuff that she missed with Nora when she was kind of in her rich jerk phase um, when she was with her ex-husband. And, uh, you know, that kind of goes a little disastrously until she speaks to Roy Kent um, outside of a doll shop in what is my favorite conversation of the whole episode here. But um, Craig, what do you think from the start of Rebecca's, uh, you know, and Nora's story here, even up to where she's speaking with Roy outside the store? I really love it because again, you, you start to see that like Rebecca's character is getting some more uh, attention as well, not only from the dating life aspect, but she's trying to enter herself back into Nora's life after being basically absent for six years. They sort of address that, uh, especially towards the end of season one, uh, when they're going to the club um, and that conversation that she has with Sassy that she's been gone for six years, essentially. But it's funny because you start to see her go to all these places that she thinks that Nora will want to go to Well, uh -huh. Nora's like 13 or whatever the case may be at this point. So she's not wanting to go to the uh, British girl doll store, which by the way, I didn't know that there was like a British girl as know, opposed right? to an American girl, <laughs> uh, which is really either. funny. And I, I do also love that they're like, we're the king of orphanage. Um, <laughs> going back though, before that, the, the very first scene where you see Sassy and uh, Stinky uh, talking and then Ted walks in. It's so great when Ted's like, oh, wait, is she mine? Yeah. And then Sassy's like, um, Ted, we slept together six months ago. So yeah. no. <laughs> right, right, and right. Bad, bad timing. <laughs> also, it, it almost made my Ted Tedism for the week, but it didn't quite make it there when they're talking about, I think it's Rebecca that goes like, what did he talk like that the whole time? And then Sassy's yeah. like the whole time. It was absolutely wonderful. The look that Rebecca gives her of like just like disgust, but also mm. a little bit of intrigue is just a brilliant acting <laughs> in that moment. It's like it just made me laugh so hard watching it again today uh, and seeing that moment for sure. But no, I, I think it's cool to see godmother Rebecca, you know, to see her yeah. in this different type of role because we've seen her as the kind of hard-ass owner of the team. We've seen her as the aggrieved divorcee 
And now we get to really see her come into her own and we get to see her as who she truly wants to put forward into the world, whether that be through uh, trying to find someone through these dating apps or being the godmother to Nora. I think it's really cool to see some development in this character as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, echo everything you said there. And I love that there's the rapport between her and Nora is so fantastic because in that you're right in that like princess t like setting thing and it was literally just kind of like oh this isn't working is it and and you know it and it's not there's not resentment there at all from nora it's really just kind of like yeah this isn't really my thing <laughs> and you know there's just a good naturedness to it and that's that kind of that good naturedness that kind of defines the show like everything is kind of always in a good nature and that's kind of refreshing for television but when she gets to that scene with roy outside the doll store um, this is proud that might make my Tedisms of the week, but, um, it was, um, you know, he, he basically tells me, he's just like, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't need a parade every day. And he, and he said, what was so profound, especially for us parents is, you know, kids, they just want to feel like they're part of your lives. You know, <laughs> they, they don't want, like, they don't need you to constantly entertain them. And then of course he gives the hilarious example of, you know, <laughs> asking Phoebe if she wants to go to his podiatrist appointment and she's so excited about it. And this leads, oh, you know, yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Absolutely. And this leads, of course, Rebecca to kind of change course with Nora and say, Hey, do you want to watch a scary movie? Oh, and also, do you want to just come to work with me? And this completely changes things. And all of a sudden they connect in a deep way that that you know they used to. Um, and that leads all the way through to um, you know, her having to give some advice on uh, the third big thing and probably the biggest threat of this entire episode here, which is, of course, Sam Obiganya and his moral crisis with being the face of Dubai Air, because as we learn from a text message with his father, that the uh, uh, company that owns Dubai Air, Strolithium Oil, is kind of ravaging his home country of Nigeria's environment, and they're paying off politicians to look the other way in the Nigerian government. And I believe the text message from his dad said that he it, it um, shames him, or he's like, he never thought he'd see his son be a shill for a company like that. I mean, it's, it's some pretty devastating language there. And Sam, you know, to his credit, tells Rebecca, you know, I don't want to do this. You know, I can't do this. And I just love that actor because he is so like sincere in everything he says. It's like, how can you ever be mad at him? And even though that is a big deal. Um, and I also love that, though, that Rebecca, without even thinking, is just like, no, of course, you don't have to do it. And again, just that good naturedness that this show, I just love this show. Um, but that leads to, you know, a, a hard decision because when she calls the CEO of Strelithium, he basically says, oh, yeah, that's no problem. But I need you to do me a favor and get rid of him get him off your team um so what did you think of all of this as we lead up to like the big game and the moment that happens there craig absolutely so this of course is bringing in so much of that athletic activism that we're talking about today whether that be colin kaepernick or we have olympians now that are posing on the podium you know so it's interesting that they bring in um maybe perhaps in some people's minds, a controversial aspect of the show that they haven't really done before. But again, I guess my complaint about that is that it occurs so quickly throughout the episode. This episode's mm -hmm. only 37 minutes long and we get to see the entire story play out from basically uh, him doing the photo shoot to them uh, protesting on the field. And so I do wish that they would have developed that a little bit slower and the tech Text message to me is a prime example of that. So mm -hmm. you see him say basically, hey, dad, 
look at this, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be this. And then his dad immediately, and again, we don't know their relationship and right. certainly there are different types of father son relationships out there, but his father is just immediately like, you are a disappointment to the family after yeah. having just said how I think in previous text messages, like how happy they were for to watch him play. And yeah. so it just, for me happened a little abruptly, but I will say, I'm really glad that a show like Ted Lasso, which is going to be much more popular in its second season than it ever was in its first season, helps to put some humanity behind the protests that we've been seeing from athletes over the last decade or more. And I think so much uh, attention is paid on the individual athlete and the individual uh, protest or form of protest and not enough is paid on the cause and why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And here you clearly see a thread why Sam is doing what he's doing. Okay. So it, to me, it is infallible that if you have this oil company that is essentially ravaging your home country and you just find out about this and they're also your chief sponsor that to me is such a great tie-in to why you would want to do something like black out their name on your jersey mm -hmm. um and and so i think that that's what sometimes get lost in our conversations about uh, athletes and activism and the type of voice that they can have because it does put immediately the issue on a national spotlight a national platform you see that I know I'm going like a mile a minute here. So please stop me if you wanted to hit up another story beat, but you see that in the press conference. I absolutely love Jason Sudeikis's delivery of the line where he says, you know, uh, you don't need to hear this from me because usually when someone like me does something like this, meaning someone that is here, a, a white person that's in a position of authority. Yeah. He even touches right his about face. it anyway. He touches his face when he says that line. Yeah. Yeah. You're, we're going to get you're into gonna, I'm going to get into that press conference hard here. Okay. 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 Because, okay. Cause I, yes, won't like, go, I won't go too far into it then, but I, just to say that I thought that the text message was a little rushed, but he again, did seem to have um, that link ready to go. Didn't he? <laughs> he? Oh my goodness. He was ready. Like, and again, I, I wonder if this is a better story, if it plays out over two episodes, mm. as opposed to us getting everything in one condensed package. But I, I can't, uh, this is like the one time I'm stepping out and faulting the writers on anything in this show. Mm. So uh, give me some grief here if you don't believe that uh, what I'm saying is accurate. So I would Brendan love Hunt to hear Jason from Sudeikis you. Jason are coming for you, man. Front row lasso <laughs> at gmail.com. Well, uh, check and, us out. And so the, the only thing to, to put here is that this also kind of encompasses Jamie's like kind of full redemption a little bit here too, because, um, you know, as Sam is putting the tape over the Dubai Air logo and all the other Nigerian players do the same, you know, he even says to the players, you know, I don't expect you guys to do this, but I hope you understand why we have to. And immediately though, Jamie asked for the tape and Sam is, um, you know, clearly skeptical. Um, and Jamie still says though, you know, like we have to wear it. We're a team. We have to wear the same kit. And then everybody does it. And so this is, again, this is the redemption of Jamie in from selfish star to 
um, solid teammate um, here. And this is where at the end of this episode, he and Sam are finally going to share that teammate bond that has been missing for the entire first season. Um, and that's just so good to see them come full circle to that on. Um, and of course, this is Jamie's first game back. It kind of steals the thunder of that, doesn't it? Um, but getting specifically, though, to that press conference, because they do lose the game. Um, but I really want to call out one of my favorite characters in this whole show, which is Trent Krim, the independent, <laughs> because obviously what happens here gets a lot of media attention. And when Sam and Ted come into that press conference, you know, there are tons of questions there and that Trent gets the first episode or the first uh, question. That's great. But you're right. There's a perfect analogy to how athlete activism has been covered in, you know, the real world, which is what's the first question Trent asks? It's about the game. Do you think this protest made you lose? Um, and that's, you know, Sam has the perfect response to that. You know, I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about the Nigerian government, what they're letting this company do and, and how they're not looking the other way. Do you have any questions about that? And he says that so pointedly to him and it's so fantastic. And to Trent Krim's credit, he's like, oh, yeah, I got a question about that. And literally just puts it right on the line. Are you accusing the government of, of corruption? And Sam very, very strongly says yes. And there's just this little look that Trent gives him that's just kind of like a, good, good boy, good job, you know, and he like just gives this little like hand gesture to him. And I, I don't know, I just loved that. And I loved that they shared that moment um, in, in that. So yeah, it was, it was a powerful moment, though. You're right, it does feel a bit rushed in the episode, because there's so much that we're getting to. But man, that like that little moment with Trent and the moment with Jamie, where he toasts him at the end, um, you know, and of course, the team celebrating a loss because they broke the tie streak. Of course, that's exactly what a Ted Lasso team would do. Um, but yeah, it, it's a powerful, powerful moment. Anything else on the press conference from you there, Craig? I would just say that it's very cool that uh, the writers and uh, Jason Sudeikis himself really walks the walk when it comes to this. So yeah. uh, during the Euro 2020 final, uh, there was a horrific instance of racism after England lost that due to, um, well, due to a lot of factors, but people were placing blame, particularly on these black players who had missed some penalty kicks at the end the of final, the, yeah. at the end of the match. And so uh, Sudeikis, while he was promoting the second season, came out in a black sweatshirt with all their names on it while he was doing all the press. So it got a lot of attention yep. uh, and kind of showed some solidarity to those players as well. And so I think that this is something that possibly could be revisited in the future. But I, I will say, I, and I've said it before, I think that it was slightly rushed, but still you get some a scene like this press conference, which shows the gravity of this kind of a situation. And I kind of wish that more coaches out there were like Ted Lasso yeah. in allowing their players to have this kind of voice. You get this out of like a Steve Kerr. Steve mm -hmm. Kerr is wonderful with his players. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when they go out there and they're making a statement. Yeah, it's usually NBA. He, Doc Rivers does that too a lot with his team in the 76ers. Yeah. But you don't get it so much. You know, I'm, I'm such a football guy, like American football. Sorry mm -hmm. to any English yeah. <laughs> listeners. Uh, but those coaches, for the most part, don't uh, want to seem to dive into the issues that are they're facing and and to anybody out there and I'm I'm sorry that if you're offended by any of this well maybe I'm not sorry that you're offended by this but athletes have this very unique position in that they can help shape the next generation almost more than anyone else think about who you had 
on your wall as you were growing up. I certainly had Michael Jordan. That man walked on water to me. So if Michael Jordan came out and said that we needed to uh, make sure that we weren't supporting this oil company or this air company that's, that is owned by this oil company, as a kid, I would have thought, oh man, what's he doing? Why is he putting black over that logo? I need to figure this out. And so that's why it's important that these athletes speak up. They have a voice, they have a platform, and they absolutely should be doing that. And so I'm so glad that uh, Ted Lasso went into that as an aspect of the show. And I thought it was done well at the end. Again, I just wish it wasn't so rushed. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for all of you out there that might be screaming into your uh, phones right now that we have forgotten one key part of this episode, don't worry, we're gonna get to it right now because you know what time it is, Craig? Is it Tedisms time? It's time for Tedisms. Tedisms. For each week, we share biscuits truth. Oh my goodness! <laughs> all right. Tedisms. Now, if this was if this all time, happened man. correctly, they just heard the dulcet tones of Larry Smith, right? Yes. Uh, don't you mean Sam Elliott Smith? Uh, Larry uh, Sam Smith, Elliott Larry. Smith. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Larry. Uh, he sent that over to me, and just. Mm, chef's kiss chef's kiss um but of course this is the part of the episode we we are gonna go quoting folks it's time to go quoting because of course every episode of ted lasso has a bunch of them now craig i know you and i have uh the same favorite quote from this episode which of course complete comes to a a certain character named led tasso (laughs) which is you feel about led tasso Talk to me about Led Tasso. I mean, it was fine. Uh, It was good to see Jason Sudeikis (laughs) cut loose for a bit. You know, I mean, it it was funny. I thought it was going to like wear thin on me, but um, he actually made it work pretty good. I'm going to guess half of that was improv, especially the ball (laughs) speech. Um, But he's basically doing the uh, Herb Brooks from the 1980 hockey team uh, strategy of be a jerk to the whole team so they see you as their enemy um, instead of that. But of course, it's like this alter ego thing, like Beard has to smack him out of it. which is hilarious here. But um, I think you have that quote, which is probably going to be mine, but there's a few other ones. But why don't you give us that quote from Led Tasso while he's trying to berate his players into forgetting about their hatred for Jamie Tart? Absolutely. You know, I will say that I think uh, that it is actually probably like my second favorite quote, because I do think that some of the activism stuff that comes later in the episode is probably more impactful. But you know me, I absolutely love my any connection to Disney with Ted Lasso. (laughs) And it comes up quite a bit actually, but Led Tasso gives us the line. You're going to be so dehydrated. You'll look like a tree in a Tim Burton movie. I mean, any Tim Burton movie, even Dumbo, even friggin' Dumbo. (laughs) He's so like out of breath too. when he says it like even friggin' Dumbo. It's just so great. Oh man, it's fantastic. But you're right. There is a the the quote that I uh, come back to is actually from Nora. Um, actually, for me, which is when she's speaking with uh, Rebecca about you know whether or not to cut Sam or you know like what they're going to do about this uh, situation with the CEO's request. And she tells this great story about uh, getting caught smoking in the bathroom. Um, but I think she says chewing gum at first. And, chewing gum, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think she says back to uh, Rebecca. She's just like, okay, I was smoking, but I didn't want to lecture. <laughs> But she says very wisely sitting at Rebecca's desk, you know, sometimes you have to do the right thing, even if you lose. 
Um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful sentiment and a wonderful motto. Um, and it actually um, echoes Spike Lee's film, Do the Right Thing. Um, you know, when um, the wise character by O.C. Davis tells Spike's uh, character in the movie, you know, like, here's the thing, always do the right thing. That's it. That, that's all you need to know. Um, so I, I appreciate the title synergy there. And, you know, I think my, if I was going to pick one actual Tedism quote of the week, it probably does come from the real Ted Lasso, not Led Tasso. Yeah. But the real Ted Lasso kind of ties this episode into a, a bow and says, doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. And it's, it's one of those easy messages to say. But again, I thought it was, you know, one thing that we missed in conversation with the athletic activism and Sam and what he's doing is actually when Jamie does pick up the tape because he has the Nigerian uh, footballers that are putting their tape over the Dubai air. But Jamie's the first non-Nigerian, non-minority player that takes that tape. And even they go, what are you doing, man? Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, you know, you're part of my, I'm part of the team. You're my teammates. And again, that redemptive arc of Jamie Tart comes through as well. And then you see the whole team out there. It's something about it. Like even this whole idea of kneeling during the national anthem and seeing teammates doing that together and knowing that they're going to put a target on their backs out there from some people in either the media or also in the fandom. And it, it's something about that team aspect that really just struck me in this episode as well. So I wanted to mention that before we wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that press conference, if only the press, the first time Colin Kaepernick knelt would have asked, what was that about? Instead of, you know, do you think you're going to get hate for this? Like, are you afraid of what's going to happen? There's a stance. There's a reason. Go for the reason. Um, and so I, I do appreciate that Ted Lasso goes for that. So, um, all right, that's it. That's it for episode three. We're done, folks. We had a little bit longer, but that's because there's so much to talk about. Um, but of course, uh, Craig said it at the top. But of course, if you want to get in touch with peanut butter and biscuits, you can go to frontrowlasso at gmail.com. Of course, we are part of the front row network of shows on NPR Illinois. Go to nprillinois.org slash program slash front dash row dash network. And of course, front row network on all your social media sites anything else ted, ted anything else craig before we go thank you for the best compliment you've ever given me calling exactly. me ted but <laughs> i will just say thank you so much to the support i know when you're starting to launch a new show it's always kind of like hey are people going to be listening to this so i think people really are and if you are shoot us an email and we'd love to chat with you we absolutely love this show and it's fun to connect with other fans of this particular show so so thank you so much for what you're doing and for what for listening to us. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Well, for peanut butter and biscuits, I'm Jeremy. I'm Craig. And as always, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.